Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. Another special podcast guest today. We're joined by Jordan Drummond, also known as BBZ Poker. He is the face of it, founder, CEO. Jordan, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well, man. How you doing? Going, going well. You know, daddy life, uh, travel, all the different things. It's, it's been, it's crazy being a poker nowadays, right now in the poker landscape. It's a busy time. That's we'll say that to, to sure. say the least. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You are a father as well, right? Married and have a have a child. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I've got a daughter. She's almost three. She'll be three in July. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So new. I'm new to the game. Yeah, and, me as well. One year, one year old. So it's a, it's a learning experience. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background before we dive into to everything. Give us a little bit about how you got into poker. You know, sort of mm-hmm. where you're from. Just uh, who is Jordan Drummond? Sure. So yeah. So I I born Canadian. Uh, moved to the United States when I was little. Grew up in the in the U.S. Uh, I played poker like really casually. Any kind of like home game, family st- like people like friends come to the house kind of thing played a little bit like that and then uh moved to canada worked jobs so i had jobs before poker um and then i was a door-to-door salesman in the winter that job sucks in canada so uh, i started playing poker in like november uh, a lot what year was this i'm sorry so this was uh november of 09 okay yeah. And so I was playing in the winter, uh, instead of working basically. And the guys that I was with weren't, weren't working either. And, uh, and yeah, like basically like that first month. So sorry, like I'd played a little bit online before that, but not anything serious. Right. And then that was like my first month where I didn't have anything else that I was really doing, played tons. And, uh, I ended up building like a, I don't know, it was like a, maybe a two or three K roll or something like that. And then the, the next month I, I made like three K again. And that was just enough already to exceed what I was making working. So I was, you know, I wasn't work making, I wasn't making much. How and old are you right now, just to give an idea, so this is yeah, I'm 31 now, 31 now. So you're 20, 20 years old. Yeah, 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 that's right. And uh, yeah, so that that was that was kind of more than what I was making. So I mean, for me, it was a really seamless transition. I know a lot of people have these like, should I quit? Should I should I play? Like, what do I need to do to right? And for me, it was easy. It was like, well, I'm making more money doing this than I'm doing. I'm doing the other thing. I was playing a, a format that didn't have a lot of variance, so I was playing sit and goes. Um, I started with like seven bucks and so I had to build the roll from zero to, you know, from seven to, to like two or 3000. Right. And I did that in 30 days. And so I was, I expected that if that, if I could do that, that the future months would probably be more than, than $3,000 a month because I, I didn't have to go through all of that progress from like seven bucks where I was playing like micro stakes right. like really micro stakes. I was playing like three cent games and, and seven cent games and stuff. 10 cent. Were, games. You, were you self-taught or was there any kind of coaching or, or uh, books or anything you'd read in poker? Or what, what yeah. So I, I had, a, I had subscriptions. So I, I did invest in subscriptions to, so like the equivalent today would be like run at once. I have no affiliation with them at all, but uh, like, like that type of a site where it's a training site right. and, um, you know, like you, uh, you just get your study in and you subscribe for like, well, I don't know, whatever it was, like 20 bucks a month. It was poker savvy plus at the time poker savvy plus, uh, what was the other, what was the other, uh, like sit and go grinders.com, like, um, stocks, poker, card owners, EV, like there are all of these sites that existed. They're all gone now mostly, but, um, yeah, you know, BBC poker tries to fill that step in and fill that same kind of space now. And, uh, 
I was subscribed to, to all of those. I watched their content religiously and, and now that's, that probably helped me to hit the ground running. And then I was playing probably like $30 sit and goes, maybe $60 sit and goes in January. So I started in November, January I was playing $60 sit and goes. Okay. I said, I was going to get supernova elite that year. That was pretty naive. Um, I had never tried to, to play for a, a full year of poker before. And I was like, I'm getting supernova elite in my first year. I bricked, um, I got like two, two thirds of the, uh, so I got like a third of the way there and it was like, it was just impossible. Um, but, but I, got, I was making like 10,000 a month or something like that. And kind of the rest is history. And just build. And so when did, when did BBZ poker, what, what does that stand for? Let everyone know. And how, sure. is that on your own? Was there a, a team or did you just say, I'm going to form this and then sort of go from there? Sure. So the, so BBZ is so the, when I first started playing poker, um, I started staking. So like I started, as soon as I started playing, I started like coaching my friends and staking my friends. Cause my friends were like, I was pretty close with those guys and like, they weren't making more money than me. Right. So like none of us made any money. We we're all broke. And right. so I was like, you know, if I can do this, you guys can do this kind of thing. And so like I started teaching my friends and staking my friends and I got involved at some point with a group named sit and go reasons, uh, no longer exists. And I, I hung with them for a while where I was an investor and like some of my team migrated over to, to the, to the sit and go reasons kind of portfolio of players that we were staking. And then black Friday happened, uh, sit and go reasons blew apart. And yeah, uh, so that's like 2011, April 15th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was, was that really in terms of what you were doing then Did that just, that really just things just shut down for the majority. I mean, the, the whole, everything shifted, but was this for that type of businesses, just stuff fell out or what, what was, yeah. So that was like the world's, that was like the sky fell. Right. So, I mean, imagine, so, so staking in a nutshell is like you give a bunch of people, um, uh, money and then you split the profits if they, you know, they play poker with it and then you split the profits 50, 50. Right. Um, and so like, if there's downside, you take hundred percent of the risk, you take hundred percent of the losses and you get half of the upside. Yeah. That's the relationship. Um, and what black Friday did was, if we staked people in the United States, they couldn't play. So it was just like, well, the deal's done. Um, all of the money you invested is gone. It's a zero. Right. And um, adios. So we lost a lot of money. Uh, I can't remember the numbers, um, but it, but we lost a lot of money. And sit and go reasons blew apart. And I was already in Canada. So I was uh, initially I was in Arizona, but uh, predating Black Friday by like three or four months, I'd moved back to Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, which was just fortunate. That's just dumb luck right place, right time. And, uh, I ended up picking up a lot of the pieces of sit and go reasons because all of the other players that were involved with sit and go reasons were based in the United States. So they couldn't participate anymore. And so we set up a relationship where I took things over and I would finance the players and I would like give them back a fraction of the money that they'd initially invested essentially. Like you guys can recoup, I don't know, 10 or 15%. I'll take all the risk to get the money back. Um, and you guys will get something back, but I'll get the rest and I'll keep the relationships. Right. And, uh, so that was kind of like what happened. And then I, this, a similar type of relationship with me kind of filling that void for other people started to emerge. Cause obviously like once I, once I can do that once for, for one group, uh, which I'm intimate with, which was single reasons, like there was no reason why I couldn't fill that type of a void for groups that I wasn't intimate with where I just knew a guy or I knew a name. So I started contacting people and then like kind of the staking side of it, uh, expanded somewhat dramatically, uh, and somewhat quickly just because there was so much demand for, someone with money to stake these these Europeans who were previously backed by Americans who could no longer provide the funding. And yeah, and that way BBC kind of grew kind of quickly. Um, um, and you know, economically, uh, and I, so I, I was, 
I was fortunate to be in Canada at the time. Tell me a little bit about that, about the relationship. Did you, how many people were working with you? Was it you doing the majority of the work? Did you have a team like who, you know, building the website, dealing with all the, putting together material? How did it kind of, how did it develop? Like what was the initial when it first started? How many people were involved with you on that? Um, okay. So that's a, that's a lot of things. So, um, so BBC poker has had people partnered with it the entire time. So we didn't, start with like much of a website. Um, so it was mostly word of mouth. Um, people I knew, people I knew who stake people, people I knew who, uh, who, who were just like professional players or whatever. And yeah, because I, st- I, because I stake so many people, there were, there were all these other, uh, like their friends, right? Like friends of friends kind of thing. Um, okay. So then, and then as far as people helping me, yeah. So like there, a guy that stands out, um, is having helped me a lot. There, there are two names that like stand out the most one's friends of Nicholas Emicus. Um, he was kind of like right from, from go, he was involved. And then he's like, he's in love with Pittsburgh, which is where he lives now. And, um, he wanted to go home. He's always wanted to go home. And so eventually like he would just kind of faded into the background, but he was a big part of BBZ. And uh, John Bonadis, um, hold it, uh, who today manages my um, the game selection for the high the high stakes group, and then like so he optimizes that, and then he also manages the entire like low to mid stakes group. He does most of that work himself. Um, so he's been a really big partner, and then Raf is is a, is, a, is another partner in the low to mid stakes group. So I've had I've had guys help me, right. and then we've just hired people where we needed to hire people um, over time for sure. But those guys are are kind of like core to like Raf, uh, John. And uh, and friends like Nick, those guys are kind of core to to like BBZ. There would be no BBZ without those guys. And 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 tell me, so BBZ, you guys provide coaching. You you actually, uh, we were trying to get the podcast scheduled, and you have a very busy schedule. You know, it's it's crazy times, but you get up very early. I mean, I see this. You're up at like doing stuff at six in the morning, scheduling stuff. I mean, sure. What, what time do you go to bed? What's you're like? Uh, well, give me a routine. That's not the typical poker routine wake up at five something and then get going by six like what what's that about man i don't know any (laughs) way that's like a you know that's a crazy schedule man tell me about tell me about that what's your like how much do you sleep do you ever sleep what's yeah so i definitely sleep so i mean i would say that i sleep between um five and eight hours a night um i don't really let myself get more than eight um so so there's so there's that. Uh, sometimes I get five. I don't like getting five, but um, I, I perform best when I have seven, and I know that. Um, I don't think that like I don't think it, like it don't it doesn't feel like there's like there's upside to getting you know I'm pretty analytical, but it doesn't feel like for me there's upside to getting like nine or like ten. So even if I even if I slept for five the previous day, like I don't feel better the next day if I slept for ten. So I just don't let myself sleep for ten. So I sleep for between five and eight hours a night, um, ideally seven. And then, um, as far as the schedule goes, like the, Euro- the fact that I work with so many guys that live in Europe, um, kind of dictates my schedule. <clears throat> so, uh, I just kind of do whatever's best for everybody else. Right. I mean, I run a business, so like, it's mostly like, it's about serving other people. It's not really about what I want. So, um, the guys that, I, that work with me, uh, they mostly historically have lived in Europe, uh, since black Friday. So as a result of that, um, my schedule starts when it's best for them and that's early. So uh, 7am is when my kind of group sessions start. So, you know, BBC poker has seminars that people can attend. That's live coaching sessions. My stable gets the, gets the same sessions. We've always coached the stable. And then the last, like, I don't know, like 18 months or something, we open that up to the public. So um, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, that's the 7am stuff. And then like a lot of my guys, like some of my better guys in particular, they work like seven days a week too. Uh, a lot of my guys that have been with me for a long time, like 
what I do rubs off and, and like they're the, you know, they're badasses in their own rights. I'm sure that they'd probably work just as hard if they had nothing to do with me, but those guys um, that are, that live in Europe, like they want to start early and like they want to start grinding. And so if I'm like, hey, I'll coach you at like 10 AM, they're like, that doesn't work for me. So like when you want me to coach you, they're like 6 AM is good. And I'm like, okay. They, they want the coaching session into their, their, their full grind. They want yeah, exactly. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I started six, I started to, so they want me to coach them at 6 AM. So then I'm up at like five, five fifteen, five thirty. 30. And what, when you're coaching, what is a, you do a one hour, two hour sessions. And what do you typically, what do you typically talk about? Are you reviewing a specific hand? Are you going through ICM situations? How do you usually break down a, a session? Right. So usually um, ICM is something that will come later because uh, that's complex um, and everyone's bad at it. So it's great because you can you can help people relatively quickly to try to yeah. fix it. But um, it's it's complex that it's and, and it's like it means that they're winning. You know, it means your final tabling stuff. Right. So like that usually comes later. So when I first start working with somebody, the way that the relation, the way that it sets out is we do a database analysis session typically. So we'll go into Poker Tracker 4 or we'll go into Holden Manager 2 and we'll take a look at all of your numbers and I'll have, um, I have a, I, if, if, if I don't know what all of the numbers are, and I, I, you, I do, but if I don't know what all of the numbers are supposed to be, then I can figure it out like pretty quickly. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll analyze your numbers and I'll say like, okay, look, your fold to C-bet, uh, your fold to flop C-bet's too high, your fold to turn C-bet's too high. Um, these numbers are unfiltered, so let's run some filters and we'll take a look and see if like it's heads up pots or multi-way pots. Okay, it's heads up pots, so you're folding to C-bet's way too often and heads up pots, so you're check folding way too much. Um, so you have a problem defending uh, versus bets since it's happening in both uh, check fold and uh, fold to C-bet. It's not a range construction problem because that's both ranges, right? So it's not that you're um, building the ranges badly, it's that you're folding hands that need to be called. So let's run a filter for um, those types of hands specifically, uh, where you we we can then pull those hands and analyze them. And I'll say like, okay, look, these are the seventy hands that you played, and you were supposed to defend, I don't know, thirty five of them or something in this sample, and you uh, folded all of them. <laughs> so let's because that's what we, that's what we filter for, and um, let's fix that. So like these and these are some principles. Here's some you know like let's let's look at some sims. Let's try to understand what's what the play is supposed to look like and why let's do some math and figure out what your defending strategy looks should look like. Let's look, do some math and figure out what these frequencies right. should look like. And, um, let me, let me inter- and, and so if someone is watching right now and they're like, you know what, this sounds interesting, or I would love to get high level coaching and do this. How, how does it, how much does it cost? Like, can you do one session? Are they packages? Are you, there's membership stuff. What, what all services does BBZ offer uh and i appreciate this question this is a great question for me <laughs> listen I, I i haven't we haven't done work specifically i know we've talked in the past i i i've used raise your edge i've done some other sure. stuff and there's so many great courses and information i i personally believe you know it's good to do multiple because something sure. might click for you maybe one one style's better than the other but it's also it can't hurt right there might be overlap within the different different uh variations or different coaching styles but Really, what you know, I can't hurt to have do multiple ones, and then maybe one just clicks for you better than the other. So I, I do want to check it out. I've not actually used yours specifically. I know we talked about it. it'd be great sure. to do a yeah, review or some stuff, but um, yeah, I, I want to know. I want to understand a little better the. the sure, whole. like I said, yeah, I appreciate the folly, man. So I'll do my best. Um, so yeah, so what we've got, so we've so BBZ Poker. Um, obviously, what we're talking about is one on one. So we'll start with that, just because that's what we're, we were talking about first. So I coach at 300 bucks an hour. Um, if someone wants to hire me on a one-on-one basis, 
Um, we do CFPs for professional players or like semi-professional players, even um, like people who are who have proven that they can break even or better. What's we that? will see. What's that what yeah, so CFP means we'll coach for a percentage of profits. So if you're a break-even player or better, and you have time to put in like you know reasonable amounts of volume, you can join the BBZ Discord, and we will um, you know try to see if we can fit you into that program. And uh, so for a percentage that's of that's a staking program, that's not a staking program. No. Oh, so no. this is just, yeah. So this is just the week. So instead of you paying us ah. $500 a month, let's say for seminars, cause was, I'm going to get to that too. You can basically get involved with BBZ and uh, for like pledging some fraction of your profits that you make per year, we will coach you essentially and try to improve your win rate and try to help you out in that way. So, so that's one. So that's coaching for profits. Two would be seminars. Um, so seminars, 500 bucks a month. Uh, we do seminars five days a week. Again, these coaching sessions existed initially for our staked players that were playing mid to high stakes. Um, and there was no reason to keep it really private. So we opened it up and that's, this is, that's, that's what this is. So it's coaching for professional players. Um, and you can expect that type of quality, like that type of level where, you know, how do I know that this is good coaching? Well, because the people who people who are getting it are betting a lot of money on the information. I'm actually the person who backs those people. So um, if there was a better investment, uh, someone else to coach them, that would make, make us more money. I, I would hire that person. There just, there just happens not, to not really be that person. That, so, um, so yeah, so, so we, the seminars are 500 bucks a month and um, the CFPs uh, percentage of profits, and then, um, then we obviously have horses, people who we stake. So people who want to get better, who have really um, solid track records um, and who can put in tons of volume. We will invest our own money and take over your action. And we can set up that type of a relationship. Right. Uh, we obviously have video content on BBC Poker. It's much more economic for people, um, but it's limited. And, you know, in the sense that like it's a video, you can't ask questions, et cetera. Uh, yeah, that's most of it. How many, give me an idea of how many people are roughly in these type of programs. Like how big is the BBZ uh, network of sure. So the, so yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's gotten, gotten quite big. So the, the stake components probably like 60 to 70 people, I would say if I had to guess, um, and these are guesses by the way. So these aren't exact numbers, but 60, 70 people that are being staked. Yeah. That's just staking. This is just staking. Um, CFP is probably, we started this program recently. We started this program in 2020, I think. So um, I think that maybe we started this program in late 2019. But it's probably like like 20 people, maybe 15 people, 15 to 20 people, I would say. And um, people who subscribe to the seminars is another uh, 20, 24. Yeah, I think it's 24. So no, it's not. It's 28. Yeah, it's 28. So um, let's do the math. Um, I know I know how much money I'm making. I just don't know uh, how many people there are. So it's 28, 28 people. And um, yeah, so like in total, you're looking at like 115, 120 people, maybe between CFPs, seminars, uh, um, and horses. And then obviously, like, you know, we have videos and stuff and, and things like that. Right. Um, wow. Okay. So very interesting. And what is is uh if you were what would you recommend someone again watching hasn't done anything maybe plays 20 30 50 dollar 100 mtts what would mm-hmm. be the most realistic way for them to get integrated into bbz would you what would be your your suggestion on uh, and also if you charge 300 an hour are there some other uh coaches or people within bbz that do I, i'm sure there's some other yes there are absolutely yeah yeah we have other coaches yeah our other coaches are cheaper so you know yeah. like the other guys that fill out the roster um lucky fish and yargo 
they charge, I think, 150 bucks an hour. Don't quote me on it, but because um, their prices might change or whatever. But yeah, I think they charge 150 an hour, and those guys are more than capable of coaching. Right. Uh, almost anybody. Uh, yeah. Almost guys are animals. You, you, got, you got If you want the CEO, if you want the brand. Yeah. If you want me, it costs more. Gotta, it costs, it costs uh, more. Got to cost a little more. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, awesome. So this is how do you let, let's segue a bit into. Uh, well, welcome to uh, Team Party, of course. Party yeah, Poker, course. we got we love poker. We're very Jamie and I are kind of when we came over last year and constructed the Twitch team. You know, this is obviously it was a treat to get you to for you to be able to come over and, and sign with Party, uh, being one of the more experienced and we play high stakes. Um, you know, you're streaming. Uh, just tick all the boxes. It was it was a great addition. We're really glad you came over. Uh, how how did you get into streaming and and how does that um. I mean, you have, let's see, you have a three-year-old, right? Around yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Three-year-old, you're married, you wake up at 6 a.m., you do coaching, you run a, a business. How are you able to, to fit streaming into your schedule? And when did that start for you? Let's let's hit all of it. I like to ask a lot of questions at once, so no, grab you're, what you yeah, can. Yeah, I'll try to You're a busy dude, too, man. I mean, you're not in, like, such a dissimilar spot. You're a busy guy, so you like, you know. But I, I want to know. I like to see how, you know, I want to – maybe I'll take a piece out of your recipe. <laughs> the 6 a.m., I, I would love – to get that done, that sounds that sounds like the, the 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 real deal thing. I just don't know. I just I never had that in me yet. But I, I with the child, it's nice to get up early as well. Yeah, exactly. Know. That's what. I, yeah, that's part, part that that can be a part of it. Um, yeah. uh, so so first, it helps to beat them when it comes to waking up. That's for sure. But um, so so yeah. So what's the, so what so so why don't you hit me up with like one part of the question first? All right. How did you, when did you start streaming? So yeah, so when did I start streaming? So I started streaming on Twitch, guys. Those are your yeah. So that was in September. Yeah, I started streaming in September. So I was I was pushed to stream for a lot longer than that. So the guys around me um, were saying like, for everything that we're doing, you you should be streaming. And I was I was you know like <clears throat> everything's everything poker related at least is like, is like quite competitive. I mean you have a, you have guys who are smart who will work really hard and they can all countries are allowed to come. So it's not like, you know, it's not like playing, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's not like playing in like your local competitive football league, you know, or soccer league, whatever you want, however you want. Like it's the world that you're competing with. So like it's, um, when I thought about streaming, I was like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> like I don't, it's another, it's another thing where it's going to be like global competition. I'm going to have to stream a lot to be relevant. And like, I'm not ready to like, you know, to do that and commit to that and what that's going to mean. So we spent a lot of time trying to promote BBZ in alternative ways without streaming. It didn't work. We failed. So um, as a result, I stream. Um, so that was that, that I, I said I would try streaming if everything else we tried failed. And that was in September and streaming went well. Um, I liked it, which helped. So like if I absolutely hated it, uh, I wouldn't have stuck with it. I wouldn't have done it. So um, having never done it, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, but I, I, I did like it. It was fine. So streaming works for me. And then, um, that's September and, uh, yeah, man, I just, you know, just as far as the schedule, I stream Mondays, I stream Sundays, Sundays is an easy day. Sundays has always have always been blocked off of my schedule. So like I've never worked Sundays, um, in terms of like coaching people or anything. Cause I've always had that day for playing. So that was easy. Just stream Sundays. And then, um, as far as streaming more than Sundays, uh, like Mondays and is like, like I wake up, I start coaching you typically early, um, but uh, it's a good day for my for my team to play. Like when, as we like map things out, like Monday's a good day for for my team to play. So I typically do a little bit less coaching on Mondays. Mm-hmm. So I blocked out Monday, and so that's that's the day that I run my home game. And then 
I just try to pick up a day. So like, there's no other like the, the, like with the way that my schedule is, there's no scheduled like set day. This is stream day. It's just like I stream Sunday. That's that's the set day. I stream Monday. That's the set day. And then um, the next day, I'll just pick up. So like, if I if Tuesday's slow, like I'm streaming. If Wednesday's slow, I'm streaming. If Thursday's slow, I'm streaming. So it's just another thing to like just fill my schedule out so right. that um, you know, like if I you know, like yeah, just like whatever, whenever I have time, I'll, I'll get it done. Awesome. And, and how did you, I, I did, you know, again, I, I have some notes and picked up various different places and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know originally uh, your daughter, at least my understanding was had a concern about streaming Twitch. You thought it would be a six day commitment per week. Cause there's a lot of data and, and suggestion that, you know, if you want to be successful on Twitch, you got to put in a certain amount of hours. You have to be consistent, right? Cause it's like, yep. you know, even myself with having a son last year, been a little more spotty where I'm not, you know, as, as much as I wanted to be doing. And it's hard, right? Cause then it's like, people want to go and know there's somewhere to be streaming. And if you want to have a really big following, but it was that, was that a concern initially? And oh, definitely. Do you think you are streaming now? No. Oh, yeah. So I am streaming three. So like this, I would say like I'm streaming between like, it's definitely like, so two is a floor because I have, two, I have no choice, but two because I Sunday and Monday are just scheduled streams. That's, that's a fact. And then it's going to be like, it's going to be somewhere between two and four because like there will be weeks where I have two open days and I stream and I just stream four days and there will almost never be five because I'll never have three open days. And so, yeah, so, and then, so I'll stream between two and four days a week and it's typically going to average somewhere around three. Um, as far as concerns about like the competitive dynamics of Twitch and, uh, those definitely existed. That was one of the reasons why I didn't want to start was because I was like, I'm not going to do something. I just know I'm going to lose. And, um, you have to do this, like all, you know, you do this all, I don't know if I, I can swear on this stream or on this podcast, but mm-hmm. Huh? What's up? You're saying about spoiling? Or no, what? swear. So I don't know if I. If oh, I, if I, what? Yeah, go with your yeah. heart. That's all. Right. And um, yeah, so so I so I didn't want to do something where I knew I was going to lose, where I was going to get destroyed. So I was like, if I can only do it one day a week, that's not going to work. And like, I don't have six. So there was there were huge concerns around like right. whether or not that would be viable. And so I tried to come up with like, how can I, you know, because I I was thinking about it before I did it. Like, can I actually do something that's like different than maybe what other people can do? Right. And, um, I was like, I can just bang, like, you know, we'll just play high stakes and, um, we'll see like how sustainable it is for other people to play high stakes. <laughs> so other people, anybody can play high stakes. You just have to press the register button, but, um, it's only sustainable if you can compete. And, yeah. um, I was comfortable that like, that was not going to be a problem. Um, and, and talk to me a bit about some of, so I know you work with, or you have, I believe with Tonka, uh, mm-hmm. Spraggy, Fintan, mm-hmm. Easy with Aces, you were just on with before, obviously, with some of the top streamers in Twitch and, and very good players. Uh, is that what? Is there other high-profile players you work with specifically? And have you, how long have you been working with those guys? Um, yeah, so I've been working with, with Parker um, and, and Fintan and all of those guys for, um, I would say, like at least a year. But um, in most cases, a little bit longer than that. Uh, as far as like other high-profile players that have come through BBZ, I mean, like the most high-profile player that's come through BBZ is, I mean, like I think are arguably is the best player in the world, like one of the best tournament players in the world right now, which is one Connor B1, who um, he is just like born and bred BBZ. He was, uh, he I flew him out of the UK. He was stuck like a hundred thousand with me. Um, things weren't going well, and I flew him out of the UK like. I don't know, like eight years ago, maybe seven years ago, something like that. And he, he, he just lived with me for a year and a half, two years, something like that. And, um, we did, we did a lot of work and like he worked his fucking ass off 
and he turned everything around and he's Connor B1. You know, he's one Connor B1 now. Yep. So he's the Beresford or best Beresford? Yeah, Connor, yeah, Connor Beresford. Yeah. 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 Great yeah. player. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, yeah, he's world class for sure. So he's, um, he's probably like the highest profile player to come out of BBZ, but. I mean, like there are, there are a lot of, you know, like the, all of my coaches. So lucky fish 89 is one of my coaches. Um, very successful player. Uh, obviously born and bred, basically BBZ. He wasn't playing high stakes before he came in. Um, Bannock Ivan, um, it used to be, it used to be a BBC coach, just kind of like made enough money, graduated. Um, and, uh, it felt like he was giving away too much information, didn't want to coach anymore and, uh, was doing a lot of his own unique type of work. Uh, and so like kind of moved out of the coaching role, but he was, you know, in my opinion, like he was, He's done well. And so he's, he's one of them. Um, Yagar Lavali, uh, Bunga Cat, uh, just won $150,000 maybe like two weeks ago. Um, maybe it's more like three weeks ago, but it doesn't matter. And um, so he's one of the coaches, like all of these guys, just basically like, if you look at their resumes pre BBZ and then like post BBZ, yeah. um, they're not the same. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking about giving too much away, what do you think about that on Twitch? Cause this is something I get talked about a lot of debate you know when you're streaming these highest stakes like listen guys are playing usually people are playing a lot of a lot of tables for the most part or numerous tables but you know if you're at your table if i'm at my table you're there it's like why not it's if it's twitch sure. if it cards are face up you get to see oh was he bluffing does he sure. have it how's he playing against me does he have a tag against me you know how these things how do you feel about that how much do you think you're giving away and and how do you kind of do do you make any adjustments to that any randomizers or any kind of like different things you might do because you believe that certain players may be watching or not, or, or how do you combat that? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I would say that I'm randomizing less on Twitch cause it's just one more thing to do. Um, so it's harder. So like if, if I'm not on Twitch, I actually have a randomizer that I use it like really regularly. If I'm on Twitch and I'm like playing only a few tables, I'll, I'll use it. Um, but if I'm on, so like if I'm deep in like a 10 K or something, um, then sure. Um, but if I'm like just streaming and like six tabling or, or like eight tabling and, and like trying to do Twitch at the same time, I'm not randomizing. Uh, like I'm, I'm going to randomize like with my own, you know, like I'm going to try not to, to use pure strategies in spot in every spot, but, um, Talk to me about what, what is randomizing as well. Like where, and where would you, where would that make sense? Cause sure. you know, I hear these different things. I've talked about it with some yep. people and there's some pretty, it almost sounds funny if you were like hearing about it and it seems kind of silly in a way, but it makes sure. sense. So what would be like a way you would randomize? How well, yeah, it sure. Yeah. So it doesn't just make sense. It's fucking, it's, I mean, it's absolutely necessary to, right. to I think it does. But I, when I heard it for, first, I thought I was a, getting trolled like the first sure. time I ever heard this. Cause I was like, really, this is what you do. And like, yeah, you, no, yeah, you definitely have to do it. You definitely if you're watching if it's the second hand is here and you just fucking rip it. On <laughs> like I'm like, all right. Uh, but yeah, so explain me. Sure. So I'll give you the easiest example of like where you would use a randomizer as opposed to like actually randomizing. In a, in a like a more random sense so let's just say so there's a video on bbc poker that's going to deal with this more specifically it's called introduction to quantitative strategies so this if you like this what i'm about to talk about and this you think this would be helpful that's where you find better answers to this but so very briefly um if you, let's say you uh check called you and i were playing a hand and let's say like flop goes check check or something like that and you check called the positions don't matter and you check called two streets and the way that you've played so you're, you're sorry so check check flop check call turn check river right that's your line and um so you get to the river with um what is probably going to be a lot of bluff catchers okay so you don't have a range that is um uh how do i say like you don't have a strong range and you don't have air right you have a range that's mostly defined as being uh, bluff catcher dense right so 
Um, in this scenario, now let's say you face a 2x pot size bet for me. So I, I'm aware of what your composition looks like. I'm aware that it's uh, bluff catcher dense. And so I, I like to use a bet. I have, I have a subset of hands that are really strong, um, essentially stronger than almost all of the hands in your range. You have, let's say, second pair, third pair a lot. And I have um, a set or an overpair or something like that. So I build a range around those types of hands. I bet really large. I bet to 2x pot. Um, now your range is almost squarely defined as being bluff catchers. So how do you defend against my bet size? Uh, well, you, you can't just say, like, uh, I'm going to call with really strong hands. You don't have them. You can't reinvent the composition just because you don't like my bet size. So um, you can't fold all the time because uh, I'll just run you over with bluffs. Um, so this is, in particular, in particular, this is true if I have no shortage of bluffs. So let's redefine the scenario. I have a lot of bluffs. Um, I have some strong hands, um, and I have some, like, kind of middling hands, a, a normal range, right? Bluffs, strong hands, middling hands. Your range is pretty squarely defined as being middling hands at this point because you've checked right. all the turn and checked the river, right? So I use 2x pot as the bet. So what are you going to do? I need, I need to find a way where I say I'm going to call here one out of four or one out of three or something. One out of three, yeah. So, yeah, so you're going you're gonna to need to call one-third of the time. The problem is that all of your hands look the same, right? They're all buff catchers. So they all beat my air, and they all lose to my good hands. And this is not like a rare scenario. This is like – this is just – Poker one on one. This happens all the time. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, you get into the situation and you're on the river and you have a buff catcher and some guy's betting really big and now you're like, shit, what do I do? And you have to call a third of the time, and um, that's how you, how you how you deal with this scenario. You can't fold always. You can't call always. And so, how do you, as a human, decide what a third is? You can't. I mean, like, I'm not just saying that. Like, you actually can't. So you're incapable of doing it. So what you do is you pull up some kind of you know randomizer tool and you say like, okay, I'm going to call one to thirty three and I'm going to fold thirty four to to hundred. Simple. Done. Do, you, do you legitimately have like while you're playing online? Is there like a wheel or some some button where you can click and or, or like what would be a good way? For Go to Google to and type in RNG. That's it. I mean, like you can you can. There are tools you can download to like interact with poker yeah. with, with so poker just, software. You would have it, and that would be that would legitimately like on a on a given online session. You are in that spot a hundred times or 50 times or more sign in a day. And you might just have to have, a well, I'm not going to, so yeah, so it depends on like this the nature of the scenario. So first um, you're going to find scenarios where uh, there are going to be hands that aren't necessarily bluff catchers that look like bluff catchers. So, so for example, you might have a bluff catcher and it's defined as a bluff catcher, but this bluff catcher in particular blocks all of your opponent's bluffs. And so the ways that he's bluffing uh, in your estimation um, your bluff catcher doesn't work for calling. So you just fold. And then, um, then the next time you have a bluff catcher and it unblocks all his bluffs. Right. And so you just call. And then you have a bluff catcher that is kind of more middling, which rep- is more representative of the entire range. And you don't know if you should, you definitely shouldn't call, uh, maybe you don't want to call exactly a third or like you, you, you kind of try to guess, maybe call 40% of the time, maybe call a third. It depends on like whether or not you have more check folds or less check folds. Uh, like more, do you have like more pure calls or more like pure folds? If you have more pure folds, you would call more than 33% of the time. If you have more pure calls, you'd call less than 33% of the time. So it kind of depends a little bit, but you'd be ballparking around there. And all you're really trying to do is not play like an idiot. Like you're not trying to play perfectly. You're not trying to play like peel solver. You're not trying to play with Microsoft. You know, you're just trying to play not stupid. So, you know, you, you pick some number and it's only the spots where you think it's, it's not going to be a hundred spots on a Sunday. It's going to be like five and it's not even going to be five. Because there will be some players where I'm like, eh, it's a bluff catcher. It's worth zero. Um, and you're not bluffing enough. <laughs> so I fold. And then there will be um, some players where, uh, based on some previous hands that I saw, um, I have a bluff catcher. Um, but uh, you're bluffing way too much because based on like what I've seen from these other hands. So um, I'm not going to randomize. I'm going to call. And there are only a few scenarios. Uh, so, for example, in the 10K recently that I just played, um, I had a bluff catcher against Daniel DeForest. And Daniel is uh, someone who I have a lot of respect for, Oxoda. We've played a lot. 
um, in the past. And uh, he reduced one of my hands to a bluff catcher in a scenario where um, my bluff catcher was good but not great. And I called with my hand 25% of the time. I just randomized it off. Wow. So um, it's only a few spots. It's only like a few situations. The, the problem that most people have is that they think that they should be randomizing all the time. And um, so then that gets overwhelming. So then they're like, well, screw it. I'm just not going to use it. And uh, it's just not true that you need to randomize all the time. You need to randomize in a few scenarios against you know certain types of people and things like that. And the rest of the time, you should try to figure out something better. Right. Um, it's like a defensive mechanism. It's like, oh shit, I'm screwed. I have no really, I have no better tool of dealing with this than randomness, uh, or like than calling my math frequency. Make, make so that's what I, do. I like that. All right, and also in in, in terms of uh, Twitch and giving away, what do you think? What do you believe? it equates to when you are streaming on Twitch, how many tables, let's say like, is it worth four tables, six tables when you're playing to be able to keep up with the chat and sort of all the things that go into streaming Twitch, what would you say that adds to your tables? Like with actual ideas? Yeah. Do you know what, what you're I'm saying? About how, like, what should my table count be? Is that what you're trying to get at? Well, okay. First of all, like for, let's take, start with this. How many tables do you typically play when you're, when you're playing and streaming? Is it the same if you're playing? Or yeah, streaming, sure. or so if I'm playing and I'm not streaming, I'm going to play 10 to 12. And if I'm playing and streaming, I'm going to be somewhere between four and six. Okay. But um, is that, so do you believe that streaming equates to about six tables, four to six tables? Of yeah. It's work? like, yeah, it, 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 it's yeah, something, something along those lines. It adds like four or five tables, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. Um, um, okay. So that, and, and you, would you say that the, is that a, would you recommend to people like when your people are doing BBZ and they're in that program, do a lot of people ask about Twitch? Is that something people want to do? Do they like, what's the general consensus? Cause I guess if you're staking or doing players in theory, you really wouldn't want them probably streaming kind of like fundamentally, right? Cause they're actually taking away from maybe their overall playing ability or, or focus. Is that, is that something, do you guys recommend that? Do you push people to do it? Is it, do you think it's good or, or what's your sort of uh, take on people streaming and if they want to start streaming? Um, if my guys, like guys that work with me, if they wanted to start streaming, I would recommend that they, that they get into it. I think right. um, streaming is um, so, okay. So if you're a professional poker player, this is, this is, this can be a long winded answer, uh, but I, I, I always give a lot of winded answers. If you're, if you're a professional poker player, you accept that like you're going to make money in like this, this like almost horribly volatile way. So like as a human with the way that like all of the systems around being a human are structured, um, volatility in your income stream sucks. So uh, you try to come up with ways to like make that less the case. Mm-hmm. And streaming is just one way of trying to accomplish that goal. Like most people who stream, it's going to be very difficult to be a long slog. It's probably not going to work. But um, for someone who's like really dedicated, who really wants to make poker, like how you make a living, and is like hell bent on like making this work. Um, streaming is just a tool you can use uh, if you want to to um, make it more viable. And that's just the, the reality of the situation is is just that like you can be quite good, but if you can't figure out how to get some stability in terms of how much money you make, excuse me, on a like on a, on a consistent basis, like you can't pay rent or you can't you know you can't buy you can't buy a car, you can't get you can't have a family. Right. So you have. You, poker players have like that second responsibility, which is either a, you win so much money that you've, that you have a, a, such a substantial buffer that you have, you've basically bought stability or, but that takes, that comes at the end. That's not at the beginning. And then, or you build something, you build a system that, that adds stability. And so like you can get staked to do that. Um, you can, um, you can coach on the side to do that. 
you can stream right and then like you can try to set up relationships with business with businesses that pay you on a consistent basis and then you can do it that way and so streaming is just another tool and it's great that it's available um and i wouldn't discourage anybody who wanted to to try to do it. i would just say that like you should be prepared for to, to work um just like with anything else but uh it's, it can definitely be an extraordinarily valuable tool uh, and if i didn't believe that i wouldn't use it so so i mean like I, you know i'm definitely going to say that it's valuable and i wouldn't discourage people from trying for sure. And um, with, with uh, in terms of people that are saying now, because it's different, I guess you got a little late start then. You're saying you, you were really in 2009. That was when you kind of got into poker? Or, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a little bit late, uh, I guess, in the sort of, you know, peaking of, I guess, 2002, 3, 4, sort of those early years and people started to really get in and the, the, there was a lot of dead money, just, you know, over overload of action and whatnot. So you were a little bit later in that at the same time you're 31. Um, so you, I mean, you got in, not like you were, you started when you were roughly 20 in that, that wheelhouse. What would you say now though, in terms of the landscape that's changed so much, how someone who says, Hey, I want to play poker professionally, or I want to get into it. What advice would you give them, uh, to, to sort of get going now? Um, so playing professionally. So for me, um, the decision to play professionally was an opportunity cost question. So I would say that like, if let's say your, your opportunity cost is you're a doctor, um, playing poker should be. It's, it's going to be more difficult for you to make that jump than and rationalize it than like you know if you're a if you work at Seven Eleven, which I'm not criticizing. That's just what I did. So um, before I did door to door sales. So um, like if you you know so that matters, right? So like first, like how does how does it stack up with like your opportunity costs and all those other things? So like you want to do all those life things first, I would say. Right. Um, if you're going to play poker professionally and try to give it a go, the main differences today um, from when I started is when I started. And there are structural differences that people like people like people who are kind of, I don't know, they don't, they don't think about them very well. So this is what I think. Um, there are structural differences today that didn't exist when I started. And some of those structural differences are just like um, the tools are better and they're just way better. I mean, when I first started playing poker, there was no such thing as a solver. It didn't exist. Uh, I started late, like you mentioned, but nonetheless, there was no solver. It was like, a you know, people talked about maybe some people having some kind of dream machine, you know, behind the scenes, but there was no one with any real technology mm -hmm. today. The technology is not only is ubiquitous and very good. So, um, you want to try to get access to that technology before you say, I'm a professional. Like if you have no access to it at all, and you're, you're uh, a professional player, the strategies that the software can spit out are because the tools are good and they'll continue to get better. Um, they're going to beat strategies that you can come up with on your own, even if you're brilliant. Um, and it just like, you'll lose. So um, I would say that like, if you, if you're trying to like build comprehensive strategies so that you can play poker, well, you're going to want to get access to the tools first. So you can plug yourself into a, a, a team like BBZ um, to get access to that type of stuff. You can just buy them and that's fine. Um, so peel solver would be the kind of classic example that people talk about, but those, that's just one of them, right? So there's peel solver and then there's Munker solver, which can do your preflop work. Um, you can purchase solutions from other people, um, for, for their preflop work, if that's because it's, because it's pretty static. Um, and then you can, and then there's, there's uh like there's simple three way, like there's just, you know, like I don't, you know, like there's just tons of programs. I don't have relationships with them, but, but like they just are. And so like, if you're trying to do everything all by yourself, that was super viable when I first started. Like when I was, when I was there, like the tools sucked. So like you could just do it all yourself and you could, you could play and like mash against people. And, but if you're trying to be a pro 
I think that you're going to probably want to get some access to some tools because that's just the, the biggest difference from when I, when I, when I started. Right. So, so that would be my, my main recommendation. Find some way to get access to tools. And again, I think BBC can be a really economic way of doing that. Like find some way to, you, let me rephrase, find some way to get really good access to high level strategies. And the high level strategies are, do not come out of people's heads. The high level strategies come out of tools. And so you right. can either buy, you can get the tools yourself or you can get the high level strategies some other way. And, and what would you say, like, all right, let, let's say you live near a local casino or a mm-hmm. home, like, yeah, just say a one-two game. Maybe you, you, I love how you rephrase that, the opportunity cost. Because same thing, I started when I was, I don't know, 15. I was, in, I was in high school, played with some friends, put a little money on party poker, actually, which is the first site I ever played on, basically where I played until uh, 2006 when they had to pull out of the uh, U.S. market because they were publicly yep. traded. That's when stars and full tilt basically, you know, really took off in terms of uh, market share. But I was only on uh, party up until that point and had a really good affiliate program uh, there and, and was, you know, heavy into that as well. And that was sort of how I was building a role. Uh, what would you say would be a good way to, to break the time down though? Cause like you, you got to get some experience, right? You got to play a little, you got to check, try some things. It's kind of cool to see where you're at naturally, but yep. of course, you don't want to just play always and not study. So what would you say to someone like a breakdown in terms of time of playing? Let's just take, I mean, I guess online simpler, for example, you want to play some tournaments uh, online, but you want to study. How would you say it makes sense to dive in and do some basic understanding and studying first and then play, or maybe just get your feet wet, play a, a couple small stakes things and try it out and then go back and learn what, what's, what's optimal in your opinion to, to, to learn. Study first. In. Study first. So no, not, not solvers, just study in some way. So yeah, I would recommend content. So like basically, so you're, the way that you're describing it, it sounds like someone who's like got no skill set whatsoever almost. And like they're starting almost you right. know, kind of darkish. And then like, how do I go from there? So uh, you should be getting exposure to um, how someone like Jeff Girls plays by watching a stream. And I'm not just saying that, like, I really believe that because you can't just start playing and just be like, well, I'm going to bet anything between, because we play, the game is called No Limit. So you can bet anything between, one chip and your whole stack, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, imagine if you have no clue, like, how do you decide which strategy to choose preflop, like min raising to an FXing, 3Xing, 25Xing, 100Xing? Like, what's, like, how do you make that judgment? Watch Jeff Gross, he'll tell you. And so, like, he'll play and you can watch his stream and, like, you know, he'll, you'll see, okay, like, when I decide to raise a hand before the flop, I should use a 2 and FX sizing or 2.3 or whatever the hell you like to use. And that's probably going to be pretty good. And what types of hands should I call from the big blind? All of them, none of them. If you have no frame of reference, like you're just screwed. So watch Jeff Gross' stream. And like Jeff Gross will show you how to call the big blind and um, et cetera, right? So you start by watching content, I think. Um, and yeah, There's a ton of free content out there. Obviously, the coaching and the, the studying and stuff too. But if you want to just get acclimated poker, I mean, between YouTube, Twitch, all the other stuff, there's just endless content, at least to, like you said, maybe don't get full explanations or it's not quite as good as coaching or, or solvers mm-hmm. and this and that, but it's, it'll give you a nice uh, reference point. to sort Yeah, of- exactly. I mean, like you'll have, a, you'll be able to get the basics down. You'll be doing like, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. And like the other thing I, I would say is like, as a human, like there's this like really strong temptation to like not cheat or like, you know, because we told, don't cheat, don't copy, don't steal. That's all bullshit. Just copy and cheat and steal. Like do not try to like uh, reinvent everything yourself. The strategies that are currently being deployed by people who play a lot, um, they've spent a lot of time, like a lot of time doing things that were not good to converge on what they're doing now. So you should just assume that like anything in the whole world that you can come up with is going to suck by comparison to what Jeff Gross is doing on his stream. Right. So you yeah. just copy what Jeff Gross is doing. 
Well, I like it. I like the endorsement, but yeah, <laughs> basic level. It's like, for sure. It's hard to, uh, you know, anything you're watching is going to, going to give you some sort of uh, decent reference point, or at least an idea of how the game should conceptually be played. Uh, who do you, uh, who, Actually, I saw a question in the chat. Someone's asking about the 300 per hour. Where do you come up with the the number? Is that kind of like an hourly or just sort of like what you're, you're sacrificing, of course? If you're doing a one-on-one coaching, you're not able to stream, you're not able to play, you're not sure. whatever. How do you, where did you, where do you come up with that specific number? Sure. So that number in general um, is, is like going to be too cheap. Um, and so like first uh, there, there's competitive pressure um, on anyone's, just like in any dynamic. So there's a competitive pressure on my hourly rate. Um so I have friends who coach for like 600 bucks an hour, um, yeah. et cetera. And so, so like there's a ceiling because like someone else will step in to fill the void, right? Right. If, I, if I'm coaching at 300 and then that creates an opportunity for somebody who has a skill set comparable to mine to coach for 200. And if that person coaches for 200, there's a, you know, that creates an opportunity for someone with a com- skill set com- comparable to that person to coach for 150 or, or 100. And so there's competitive pressure, um, which helps to set the hourly rate. Um, you have to have people that are willing to pay it. So um, you have to make sure that you're able to deliver enough value to the end user to justify the price that you're charging. And that's true for anything that you create. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's no different here. And when I'm coaching someone um, who plays poker full time, uh, the value of what I say um, is not even close to what they pay me. Um, and so like there's the, like the, the economic argument on the part of the player is, is is very easy you know you know the easiest way to give you that is like in five hours you're gonna get a lot from me like you know in five hours of coaching so let's go let's go through in 20 minutes i can tell you every single problem like i can tell you i can tell you over six months worth of things that are wrong with what you're doing right now in 20 minutes Mm -hmm. uh, using a database so um the next 40 minutes of the first hour we spend together will be me telling you the two most important things that you that you do wrong and then tr- showing you systematically how to fix them. But on those first 20 minutes, are you saying you're going to look at, you have, will have looked through some of the hands or you're just saying, no, no, no hands. Them. you're just no going to no so, like, so they'll, so they'll, we'll take all of the hands that they've played to date. So let's say you, you've played a lot of hands. We'll, we'll load up poker trackers, like, you know, a, a database, some database management tool. It doesn't matter which one. Mm-hmm. And we will fillet everything that you do from a frequency perspective. So how much do you three bet preflop? How much do you three bet versus steals? How much do you four bet preflop? How much do you see bet flop? How much do you see bet turn river, et cetera. But we'll, this will go, this will cross your whole game. And I can go through that information in 20 minutes and I can tell you every single subset of frequencies that's not good. And then I can give you, uh, and I can pretty much give you like a mathematical argument for like why, and then you should be able to understand kind of, um, in the sense that like the first time you hear anything, it's not going to click, but like, you'll kind of get it. And then like, as we kind of go over it multiple times in the future, you'll really start to understand, but you'll be like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like I get it. And so you'll understand all of the problems that you have and like why they're problems and why this alternative path is probably stronger than the path that you're on now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll spend the next 40 minutes. I'll say like, look, these based on what I know so far, these are the two things that are probably like the easiest to fix without um, a cheat sheet. So I'm not going to tell you like, uh, we're not going to go over like raise first in more because I'll just give you a chart and be like, you need to raise first in from the button more. Here's a chart. Do this. So something more complex, like um, you're not too betting enough flops. And I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you which combos we'll spend. The, we'll spend the time talking about it. We'll talk about why. And then that'll be the, that'll be an hour. So you'll leave that hour with a, a map of everything that's wrong with your game and where you need to go. And then B um, for the most important spots for you, how to get there. 
Now, if you play, let's say, let's just evaluate me for for a second. In the next, in the last six months since I started streaming, seven months, whatever, since I started streaming, I've invested well over a million dollars on poker sites. Um, I think we're we're probably like close to one and a half or something like that, maybe two. I'm only playing. I'm playing whenever I'm streaming, so I'm I'm not I'm not playing outside of that. So that's just playing two or three days a week. So imagine someone like myself was playing five days a week or six days a week because I was just playing full time, didn't have the other businesses, right? I might be investing something like four, five, six, seven million dollars in that time frame. Nah, yeah, I mean, like maybe, maybe, maybe like four. Let's call it four. So uh, investing four million dollars in that time frame. In that context, what's a thousand dollars to spend on coaching? It's nothing. It's free. So, like in the, in the like honestly, in the context of four million dollars that you invested, a thousand dollars is free. So, what about fifteen hundred dollars? Or what about two thousand dollars? What about three thousand dollars? It's still free. So, if you can invest the, that all that money more economically based on the advice that I provide, um, it makes sense for you. So that's more like how the price. So, like it's more like the the, the my hourly rate is governed by competitive pressure one it's like if someone's gonna do it for cheaper who's better than me then that's a problem and then two by whether or not i can provide enough value at the price point that people pay and um given that i price my i have my hourly rate set at 300 dollars. but um there's arguments for it being higher though not not lower right makes sense makes makes perfect sense and and what do you enjoy now at this point is uh, i mean obviously playing is the most fun but if you had to say i'm gonna i'm going to stream or do coaching uh i would i would assume it's streaming but where does that break how much more do you enjoy playing streaming than doing coaching or other parts of the business right um i need all of it so like i'm pretty i've been doing it for a while so uh, not streaming so i've been streaming for for only a little bit but just poker in general um you know it's it's not i'm not the, the like the dinosaur of the game necessarily but it's been 10 years you know 10 11 years whatever and um it like, and I work a lot, so I'm not, it's not like I'm doing poker, you know, eight hours a week or something. And I've been doing it for 10 or 11 years. I'm doing, I'm doing this all the time for that, for that time frame. There's, I don't take vacations. Um, I don't take breaks. Uh, I work seven days a week. So I need to mix it in order to make it tolerable. Like, you know, and I, and I don't that mean that in a negative way. It's just like, if I was, I would hate it. I would hate it. If I was just playing all the time, like that much, I couldn't, I couldn't play that much. Um, so I need to study because it, it helps to like break it up and feel like it's not the same thing. I, I need to coach because it, it helps it to feel like it's not the same thing. I need to play because same thing. So, balance. Um, like balance. yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I don't really think it's balanced, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's just like, it, give, it gives me a mix so that I can actually do the job. Right. So, um, yeah, so well, I need a vacation seven years. What, 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 when, when is it? Do you have a vacation planned? Is there any, when are you going to take a little time? No, I mean, okay. So I said, I don't take vacations. I used to not take vacations. I actually do. I take, so, I, so since I had the, since I had my daughter, we do take a vacation. So, uh, maybe, yeah, I think the year before was maybe the first one. I don't even know if that's true. No, no. no. Yeah. First, first vacation was when my daughter was, when, yeah, it was with my daughter. And, uh, we started taking them for like, uh, like six days. I leave on Monday morning after coaching. Um, so leave Monday morning at like 9am, 8.30 in the morning. And then we come back Saturday night so I can play on Sunday. So it's a six day vacation and, um, that's it. Uh, and then as far as working seven days a week, like I don't work 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, if I'm tired or I feel like if I wake up and I'm just like, I can't do it today. Um, then I'm still going to do it, but I'm only gonna do it half day. So those, those days will be like a half day. There's a, um, Jocko, Jocko Willink, the, uh, Navy SEAL. He's on, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast a little bit. Um, he's got his own book. Um, and he's, uh, like, he talks about like, if you, 
if you want to take a day off, this is a good idea, in my opinion. If you want to take a day off, you can always take off tomorrow, but you're not allowed to take off today. And it's because like, there are too many days where you wake up and you're like, today, I can't do it. And it's just not true. So like I wake up and every single day, no matter what, I'm going to try and I'll work for like between some number of hours, three and five. And if at the end of five hours, I just can't do it, then I'll stop. Um, but I'm going to try first. But you, you get, yeah, I, well, no, I mean, again, I, I think it's, uh, from, in my opinion, it's pretty apparent who in poker, you know, people that are doing more than just playing or streaming, you know, streaming itself is a lot of work, but people that have their own business or do, do other types of, uh, work within poker. It, it's, uh, it's fun, but it's, it is, a, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I have a lot of respect because it is, you know, it's tricky to stay up, to study, to play, to run a business to do these different things. It's not easy. Right. And it's, a, sure. it's a, it is very, it's easy to get burnt out. I mean, I see so many, uh, just in the streaming game in particular, some of the people that are sort of the, uh, the pillars of streaming, you know, that I know personally have either got burnt out or they take a break or talk. Cause it's not easy. You know, you're waking up, you're on, you're, you're doing a lot. You know, even like Tonka, who I consider you know, he's one of the most successful streamers, amazing player. You know, he's taking breaks. Jason Somerville, Jay Carver was the original. You know, he kind of got, again, he got into the other business side of stuff, but kind of also talks about the burnout. I mean, I've experienced it. Now, part of the reason that I think it's almost beneficial for someone like you or me is because when I get on and play and stream, like I love it. Like I really enjoy playing. I love the whole thing. But if you're on there five, six, seven days a week streaming, it's tough. You're on a computer. You're, you're just, you're, you're everything about it. It's a, it's a, it's a grind. And then you throw in maybe on a downswing or not running well. And it's, I mean, you're taking punches for 10, 10 yeah, 14 hours a day for, for a lot of time. It's, it's not for everybody, you know? So, uh, I, I definitely respect the grind and I, you know, I, I've again, gotten more acclimated since you joined with, with team party. I think we actually, I, I remember I, we mentioned, we talked on the phone maybe two years ago or something. I think I was at Bill's house yeah, that's right. in the Virgin islands and we got, we connected and we were talking and, and, uh, and looking at doing some stuff. I would definitely, I would love to, do some stuff with you, do some content, do some coaching, do some, do some things. Maybe we could do a review, a uh, video review or some other stuff too. Yeah, man, up, but, um, that, anything that, you want. What's that? I said, anything you want, man. Anything you yeah. want. I'm always in. That would be, that would be a ton of fun. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I listen, I'm again, I, my whole motto is I like, I love poker. I've been playing a long time. I, I play a little more. I'm, I'm sort of more focused on like PLO cash games. I play some pretty big cash games. Uh, but I love poker and I know that the best part is I know I can improve a lot. Like I'm out here, you know, I think I'm a, a winning solid poker player, but I know in like the high stakes playing 500, 1Ks, 2Ks, 5Ks against the best players in the world that are living in solver world or just playing basically perfectly. Like I'm not naive. You know, I realize that I am not waking up and just printing money by any means in these fields. So like I, you know, part of me really, it would make sense to kind of step back and just do dive in a little more in some of the things. Cause I think again, someone that's starting from zero from ground level, just no experience. It's probably a lot easier to teach someone that understands a lot of the concepts and is able to say, Oh, like, wow, you know, I can look at a spot. I'm sure, I'm sure if you went through my database um, and you were to look at different spots or things, you could pretty quickly, like you're saying in the first 20, 30 minutes, you could be like, wow, well, you're not three bad enough here. You're folding too much on these flops. You know, you're getting like these type of things that with some, some subtle adjustments could probably make a pretty big uh, win rate, you know, adjustment. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, For sure. Yeah. I think it'd be very interesting to, uh, to dive in and, and do some, do some hardcore work. And um, I, I'm definitely up for it. Uh, that, that would be fun. So hopefully we can, we can lock that in. Let's take, 
is there anything actually i want to ask about your wife first and and your personal life a bit before we dive in because there are a lot of questions here on twitter can't ignore twitter man we gotta we gotta give them the uh the attention we got a 55 dollars ticket as well that we'll do courtesy of party poker and jordan at the end here gonna take a lot of these questions you guys still have time to ask one and be entered into that uh the the drawing but let me ask you where did you meet your wife and uh how did she how does she feel about poker and the, the grind? Is she like, is she like one of those after a, a tournament or she'll ask you like what happened or how to go? Does she know what beats what? Does she have no poker knowledge or is she sort of in the, in, in tune with the flow of the game? Well, she loves the stream. So she, she actually watches the stream and she's like, she's really supportive with that. And she's, she's watched me play and stuff. So she's really supportive when it comes to playing. As far as how I met her, um, actually this is quite kind of a ridiculous story, but my brother um, was dating her sister and uh, yeah, my brother was dating her sister and we were hanging out on New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve, what year? Roughly. Oh, shoot. This would have been I like don't want to put you on the 2011, show. maybe. All right. So and, you started playing poker already. Yeah, I was, oh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was playing poker and I was, um, like I was making enough money to like spend too much money when I took girls out to dinner. There you go. So that's what I was doing. And, uh, so I was rolling the night and, um, I was acting like, I mean, like looking back, I was acting like a dick, but I mean, I probably, I, t- I tipped the, the, the tip I gave was probably like a hundred percent on the bill or something on new year's Eve. Nice. So it stood out. So like, you know, people came over and so like the girls were interested and everything like that. And that's, you know, so that's what, you know, then from there, related led to another and you guys started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I tried to flex and it worked and, um, you know, the rest is history. There you go. And, and, uh, how does she feel like in terms of balance and schedule? I mean, she understands, uh, it sounds like you have a pretty good, pretty good way of breaking stuff down, right? You, you have days where, you know, Sunday is like stream day, Monday, Sunday, then you kind of balance and figure it out. But uh, has it changed with having a child? Like, obviously we're all, we learn, right? It's like, we haven't done it. So we're kind of, you know, you get, you get more acclimated and, and understanding, but how has that been the, to add with poker, any advice you would give the dads out there? Like even now I'm a dad, I have one-year-old to three-year-old, but still it's different time, different phases, any things that you could say to people playing poker with a child, how, how you can, uh, wow. That's really, yeah, it's a good question, but I've never been asked that question. Uh, so I've never, I don't have like anything that's like right off the top of my head. Um, I would, you know, like, don't take the swings with you. Like that's the, that's probably the big one, right? Is like, just like the swing is your problem. Like the swing is your swing. You choose, like you, we choose to make money in a way that's very volatile. Right. And you can't just be like, bring shitty dad to your kid just because that would be like the main one. It's just like, as long as you can do that, I think you're golden. Um, as long as you can like handle and you should structure it like that. Like it shouldn't in the sense that like you shouldn't play in games like almost like the like gamble responsibly like you shouldn't play in games that you can't afford like you shouldn't be playing games where like you can't emotionally handle it in the sense that like you can't leave it when you're done like if, again if you're going to be shitty dad because you lost money today and as a professional particularly as a professional tournament player like you're probably going to lose today right like you're probably going to lose today so yeah. if you're probably going to lose today and every time you lose your shitty dad, then like, you're probably going to be shitty dad today. And that's horrible. Like you can't right. you have to fix that. Right. So I would say that that's like the main one to guard against. Um, the other stuff like is, you know, um, you just, you just make it up just like everybody else. You just make it up as you go. And I don't you know, think that's best. any better. I like it. Uh, what about mindset? Do you do any work with any mental coaches? Do you do any, uh, yoga meditation? Do you have routine workout before you stream? What, what sort of your, uh, go to i guess i would imagine you're not waking up at five something and sneaking a workout in but yeah. I don't know, what's your what's your daily schedule look like in that sense 
Yeah, so that was insightful. So I can't wait. I'm not waking up at like 4.30 just to like crush out the 4.30 work gym routine before I start coaching and stuff. So I gym after. So I do think you need – I think that it's very difficult to be really successful playing poker and not be – and that's not saying that it's um, – that there's no one that can do it because I – you know, I have friends that, that are very successful. Yeah, they roll out of bed and they, they don't, they don't exercise. Yeah. They never hit the gym, but yeah. I think it's, it makes it much harder. Um, and so like, there are reasons for that, like, uh, that are, that are kind of like fixed. So like one of them is it's very human to like crave control. And when you, you can, you can't get it with poker. Like you're just not, it's just like, you have to let it go. So you're not particularly if you play tournaments, like you're just not going to the relationship between whether or not you're good and winning and studying and then whether you actually win is not like super strong. I mean, you can on any given day lose, right? So it's nice to have something, some things in your life where if you put in the work, then you get a good output, right? And the gym is like the easiest one that would like have kind of um, like spillover benefits for for playing poker. Yeah. Um, so I go to the gym. Like I, I run, I try to run every day. Um, I lift weights every day and maybe every other day. Um I do jujitsu. Um, I'm not very good at it, so I haven't been doing it for ages or anything like that. But I do jujitsu when I can. Um, you know, uh, I was training before COVID. I was training probably like jujitsu alone, probably like five or six hours a week. Um, but that meant getting up and doing like a six a.m. jujitsu session. So like on the days that I didn't have a six a.m. coaching session, just to fit everything in. Right. Um, okay. So you are you're you're, you're cognizant of the the full you, you you do focus on a lot of other stuff you're not just saying oh i'm gonna play study like you you balance with the you believe in that the, the oh yeah you have to i think yoga, I mean, like the fitness health all that eating well sleep like that's a big part of your that's how i feel because at the highest level um yeah i mean listen you know you're battling with it's like a it is a sport in a sense like other people are very talented players there you know every little bit matters and if you go in there unprepared tired not you don't have your meals set up. You're right. You just get in a stream slash play long day. It's, it can be, I mean, it's war, right? Like you can easily yeah. get spiraled out. And, you know, I think there's days where you can feel like you're ready locked in. And there's days where you get in there and you're kind of like, man, I, I am not fully prepared. Usually the answer is start later. Like I love to get on and just like, Oh, I want to start playing like early, get on, get the Twitch, you know, numbers before everyone, like whatever. But almost always the right answer seems to be, you know, do your, do your, do your routine. Because if you get in there and you're just, not ready. You can get, you can get whipped around pretty good. Um, all right. Well, anything else you would like to, uh, mention or, or any specials or things going on with what you guys go going on? Cause I do want to get to these questions. On. No, man, Let's just jump into the questions, dude. We're good. Let's, let's knock it down. All right. Well, we, we, covered, we did cover a bunch of, uh, stuff with BBZ. I think I have a better feeling what it is. I'm, I want to, I'm getting in there after I want to talk to you. We got, let's, let's, let's get a little recording. Let's get some content out. We'll, we'll talk about that after the, this, this, uh, podcast, but let's just go through it right here at the top. We got ghost of M, the man, the myth, Marco from, uh, the you guys know him you don't you if you're on here you know who marco is he's he's the man on twitch for moderators no question about it he's got a question do you agree that poker players need organized unions of representatives to help uh mediate larger issues with operators as well as advocate for them legislatively and as of the head of a staking site would you would you serve if voted in such a role it's a pretty intense lead up super intense question yeah. holy macaroni marco. um you want me to leave it up there? Can you see it? You, you no, I understand the question. I understand the question. Um, yeah, so I think that <clears throat> I think it would be extraordinarily helpful. So as far as particularly when it comes to dealing with poker sites. Um, so I, I mean, I, I can't imagine how, like, I don't know how we would do it, but I think that it would be 
brilliant if somebody were to put it together and um, you know try to get some kind of uh, semblance of control for on the on the behalf of players. Like I think that that would be a very unique and cool endeavor, and I think it would be fruitful and worthwhile. So like, yes, I support that. I think it's a good idea. Um, what, when it comes to like bigger bodies, like legislative bodies, um, that seems to be like, that seems like it would be harder just because you seem, you seem less relevant to the end user. Like you seem less relevant to, to, um, like, I don't, even if you like aggregated like a large number of poker players, most of them wouldn't care enough. And like, I don't, I don't, that feels less, feels less effective there. But I, I do think that when it comes to like poker sites, like that could be a good idea. Um, and then was there another part? Was that it? I think that was, that was most of it, right? Uh, saying, uh, would you serve if voted? Oh, on? yeah, that was the part. Oh, um, oh shoot. I mean, like, it would depend, right? I'd have to evaluate it. It would, it would depend on, like, how, what kind of a time commitment it was and, um, and everything else. I couldn't, like, take the job up and do it. If it was, like, a full-time job, there's no way I could do that. But, like, would I participate? I would participate if it was, like, helpful to participate. Sure. Love it. Okay. And Bernsey as well. And Bernsey 23 here says, loves your Twitch stream. What is, he's asking, I know he's got a couple kids now. What's the toughest thing about poker slash parenting balance? Have you ever had times where you had to tend to your little one and blind out of attorney? Love the Twitch streams, by the way. Um, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, no. So I've never had to like, not, not maybe like temporarily, right? Like where, like for like 30 seconds or 15 seconds where like my kid starts to cry or something. And I'm, I'm actually like, I don't really care about the fact that I'm in this 5k. Like I just want to go see what's going on with my kid. But my streams are structured in a way that like when I'm streaming, my wife is at home with my daughter. And when my wife is at work, she's a nurse, then I'm not streaming. And so like it's set up beforehand to where like the, there's someone who's very capable dealing with my daughter, you know, in either case. So I haven't really had to, um, ever do that um as far as like balance um sorry jeff what was the was, was there like was it just like how how do i manage the balance or what's the toughest thing about poker and balance and parenting balance yeah uh i mean like just making sure that for me like my personality type um making sure that i'm there enough like however you define enough i'm, I'm actually i am actually like it sounds like i'm super busy and i am super busy but it, like it sounds like i might be neglecting my my family but like I don't know, put, put it this way. There's, there's poker for me and there's like making sure that I'm healthy. And then there's my wife and my daughter. And then that's the end of my life. So there is no, like, I also go out and like get dinner with my buddies and we drink beer on the weekends, like, or I go golfing or I, your golf game? What, what yeah. is your, your decent yeah, I don't have a golf game. I don't have a golf game. Me neither. I'm with you on that. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the vicinity. I like to do it, but I'm not, not very good. Yeah. Um, so, okay. so, you know, it's like, I have, I don't have anything else. Right. And so like, those are, so I don't, and so like they get plenty of my plenty of time. I think I probably spend more time with them than someone who works like a job that works forty hours a week kind of thing. For sure. So um, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel that it sounds like you got pretty much got in order. At least again, as we're we're learning, we're doing the best we can as going about the process. Right. Uh, I did want to ask because you said you worked at Seven Eleven. I want to know how long did you work at Seven Eleven, and also you went door to door for a while. What were you selling door to door? Yeah. So I worked, um, at seven 11 for maybe like three or four months. So I was at the time I was working like 85 hours a week. I had two jobs. I was working at urban planet, which was a clothing store during the day. And then I would work at seven 11 in the evenings. Where, where was this? What part of so the this, was, this was in Vancouver. So this was, okay. yes, yeah, so it was actually in like closer to downtown Vancouver. And, um, yeah, so I got seven 11 would give me overtime. So I was working a little bit more hours there and, uh, Oh my God, am I just like 
something's wrong with my brain today. I mean, maybe it's the 5 a.m. wake up. Um, door-to-door salesman. What, door-to-door door sales. Door-to-door. Yeah, I was selling gas contracts. So fixed price natural gas contracts, which is horrible, which has been horrible for the customers because the price of natural gas has collapsed. So um, I think I was fixing people at like $11. Like a good dropped like three or something. So people's bills were like fixed for some number of years at like some, some price that, I mean, like the, like the product seemed, seemed viable at the time, but it'd be like, it's been great for the business that I worked for, but it's been horrible for the customers. Uh, right. Interesting. I, okay. Yeah. So you, uh, all right. So you were, you were doing that. And then I saw somewhere else that you were, so you've been supernova elite. You were four times supernova elite. And is right. it true? You, I believe you had over 10 million in profit on online poker. Is that true? No. So yeah. So that, I don't know. So that, so that, that, that's, that number gets dragged in because that's what's, that's what the business has done. That's what everything has done. Like mm. okay. someone, someone that was just in an interview. Someone asked me that question. I told them to correct it. And then it just, I guess didn't get corrected. Um, maybe they were, maybe they were looking at something like caches or something like that, but I have not profited from playing no limit. Hold yeah. million dollars. That, sounded, so, that sounded high for all my, that's I mean, a really high number that, that would put you in like, um, like Doug Polkish kind of land. And that's not true. So no, um, I have, uh, so playing singles at Forex elite is definitely true. Um, I made about, I don't know, $850,000 or something playing sit and goes after a rake back and bonuses. And, um, I've made some money playing tournaments and then like primarily BBC profits have come from like coaching, um, running the businesses, running the stable, et cetera. Uh, I dropped out of playing for a few years actually. So like I stopped playing, uh, like I call, I play Sundays, but I would not play outside of Sundays and I was just coaching and studying. Right. Um, Makes sense. And, and someone, and uh, I also saw something that you used a $10,000 computer specifically the purpose yes. of running high level simulations. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's true. But that's, that's, yeah, but that's like, an, it's an inefficient way of doing it. It's true, but it's, but it's not the best way to do it. It's better, it's better just to get a server um, and rent the server and have the server run the calculations, but we do both. So like, it's nice to have the computer and um, because I can just do things on the fly without having to do anything uh, special, but, uh, but yeah, nonetheless true. And uh uh, not the recommended route. So yeah, I, I was, I wonder, do you ever sell action or do any staking or any type of things where people can have a sweat of you? Have you ever done any of that? Like for, for yeah, not, not publicly, like in terms of like not on stream or anything like that, or like where, where lots of people can, can buy my action. I've done it, um, on, uh, like a private basis. Like I have, I have investors who, if I want to, like if I'm anticipating a big month, for example, so I don't usually sell one-offs. Like it's right. more like I'm anticipating a big month and there's going to be like three or four. It's usually when you start to introduce 25 case specifically. Yeah. So when you start to introduce 25 case that I want to play um, at that point, you, you can probably assume that I've sold in some capacity, either I sold it as a one-off or I sold ahead of the month, knowing that there were going to be three or four of them. And we got to get you on Stake Kings, man. Oh, that's one of my myself. I don't know if you know Tyler Hancock, but I've been uh, involved in, in one of the, the owners of that for five plus years. That, that would be a nice crossover. A lot of a lot of uh, people love that. You can you can basically for you you could cap it as well. So you could have people like you know ten dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars cap it per person, and it's fun because on Twitch then you got people are actually sweating your. Yep. Obviously, so I don't know. Something to talk about if you're interested. That I think it could be cool, and it makes sense if, if it's bigger. There's only it's not too often. There's 25 Ks online, right? So right, it's yeah. kind of a rare amount of time. But I think it's cool. And speaking of big buy-ins, I, you did win the 5200 big game. What was what was first than that? And that was on stream, correct? That was yeah, that was on stream. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was like for 140 something, like 141 maybe 140. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, so my I didn't really play tournaments like that much before Twitch. So, um, so it was kind of a big step to be like, to go from like not playing poker a lot 
at all for like a few years and not playing tournaments at all and saying like, you know, I can compete at like the highest stakes tournaments <laughs> that are online it was a big, big of a jump. But I mean, like I said, I've, I study a lot and I felt pretty comfortable. Um, so yeah, so we've had those two. So my two biggest scores, I think are both on stream. So second place in that 5k big game and then first place in the 5k big game. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, it's a, it's a great tournament. It's my, my favorite tournament on, uh, um, on party for sure. So, yeah, it's, uh, I had a third in that and in, in a big one other week or two, three weeks ago now. And that was, uh, that would, that'd be a fun one. Maybe we could review that one or review one of your, your wins in, in that because, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. They have the face portion where you can, I think, enter for 55 or 530 uh, or buy in direct. So that's uh, that's definitely one of the, the nicer value tournaments. And also I think you find some people that are, you know, there's some people that are on uh, not necessarily at the 5K buy-in level that are sure. way in there and there's some value in those tournaments as well. Um, yeah, I'll just really briefly say it's probably the best 5K that runs. So, like, I mean that across any site. I'm not just saying that because I'm a party poker rep. Like, it's probably, like, if you're looking to play, like, some game like that, if you like those types of games where, you're trying to satellite into like a big game that's like fun, but where it's uh, like huge, it's a huge buy-in, but like it's um, you're not just going to be playing with like 15 people who are all like solvered out. That's probably like, like one of the best spots. Like if you're trying to play a really big game where like the competition is going to be reasonable and like not insanely high, that's the best 5k that runs. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I, I, I would utter that sentiment. Um, let's take another one here. Someone from, well, we got Luke run it up says what was the motive to join party poker once you started streaming what what got why party poker how did we get lucky where did where else there's other options there's some other competitive fights now these days sure how did, how did you come to party so um first party poker is the easiest is the easy in my opinion is like the easiest site to represent um as a poker player so if you if you care about the uh poker experience which obviously like i'm a pretty vested interest in caring about poker in general so po- party poker is just the easiest. It's the cleanest one to, to rep because they're the ones that are making decisions that are like kind of pro player based. I don't want to name like what other sites have done and what, but like there's like a kind of like an escalating rake environment on some sites um, either by like taking bonuses away or whatever. Um, you can kind of infer from that what, what, what you will. And then party poker is going, going in the opposite direction kind of and like party poker is treating, they're like introducing new leaderboards to their cash games. They're introducing new leaderboards to sit and goes. They're trying to introduce new variants of the game. They're working on their software. They're doing all of the things that like, if you're talking about a poker site, like I am right now, like that's easy to be like, I'm a professional poker player and I'm talking about them and it's all true. I don't have to lie about anything. And um, so in that sense, like it's, it's a natural fit for like everything that I do. So, so that was, and I mean, like, and they were like happy to have me. So that was the, uh, which is, which is the other part I mean, you don't just get to decide to be like a professional a poker player who represents a poker site like they have to want you and party poker was interested and like for me it was it makes much more sense so okay so with everything that i do if, if something's really hard and there's like a lot of friction even if there's a lot of money involved i don't need it so um i'll pass um with party there was no friction um very seamless and um and they were like i said they were happy to have me so done easy Boom. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was definitely in the whiteboard. The talks that was uh, it was great and it worked out and we were very, very happy and great addition to the team. So it's it's been it's been good all around. Uh, We had a question from M. Matt Burns live here in the chat asking about do you have any poker goal that you would like to accomplish that you have not uh, and a dream yours in general, anything outside of poker. So dreams on and off the felt. Right. Um, no, so as far as playing poker goes, like 
I had always wanted to play a 25K. Um, mission accomplished. Uh, I've done that. Um, I don't have the same goals. Like people ask me, like, do I want to play 100K? Do I want to play like the one drop? And it's not like a goal. I mean, um, I felt like, I feel like if you've played a tournament that costs $25,000, like that's, that was like a big deal. And like, it's a big deal to play a tournament that costs $100,000. But like, I didn't, I don't feel like it's, like I felt, I feel like, first of all, I, almost everybody, like the lion's share of people, including myself, if I played that big, would just sell like, almost all of it, right? You sell like 80% of it or, or 70% of it or 75 or 90% of it or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, so I don't, I don't have like, I don't have poker goals in that sense. It's not a goal to win some specific tournament because that's just a bad goal. Um, right. It would be cool like to win the WSOP main event or something. That'd be awesome. But like that's 8,000 people or however many people play that tournament every year say the same thing. So uh, chances aren't very high. Uh, and um, outside of poker, you know, I'm going to buy a house soon. That's cool. Um, I don't know if it's a goal, but, but it's, it's like, I mean, it's something that people go through. That's, that's a big deal. That's going to happen, um, in the next little while. So I'm going to buy a house. Um, you know, for the most part, I just want to be a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to make sure that the people who lock in with BBZ, the people who I represent, um, the people who I staked people who, who have backed me for a really long time, right. Like kind of big on loyalty, like the people who, that which people ask like why do you keep going like why do you work so hard like how do you keep the pace up and it's be it's because i didn't get here in a vacuum right like people bbc has been built by mostly by people who i staked and coached and so those people who i stake like i still stake them <laughs> on average and um so you know like making sure that i represent the people who have kind of locked into me for like the last decade or half decade or whatever and serve them properly is uh is a big deal to me so my goal is to do is to continue to do that well um and basically better than anybody else can do it and that's the goal and whether that's whether or not i I succeed at that is is another kind of question but the goal is to do it better than everybody else right okay no i love it uh do you enjoy chat pros do you enjoy people in the chat chirping or giving their opinions uh and, and and do you ever look at that and uh, respond or do you just kind of like realize, listen, there's, there's people that are, you know, you know, your game, you're not too worried about what someone on Twitch is, is, is chatting about, but overall, what do you think of that? Would people interact or start giving their advice on hands? Um, yeah. So it depends on the, so like there's, there's, uh, there are like multiple ways to do it when it's, when it's structured as like really, and I'm, I don't know, like, I mean, I, when it's structured as like really strong advice as if somebody knows, I'm kind of like, dude, you don't know, come on, you don't know. I don't even know. So like, you can't know. You're just speaking in a way that's like not effective. So, but when someone makes suggestions or like asks me questions, like, did you think about this? I actually like that because uh, it's the same thing as coaching. Like you, I get much better streaming than if I wasn't streaming actually, right. because um, someone will ask me a question that it's like, Oh shit. Like they're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not always right. I'm obviously wrong sometimes. Like I'm obviously wrong sometimes. Yeah. So um, someone will ask me a question like, um, did you, did you think about this? And I'm just like, Oh no, I didn't, but that's like really important. And, uh, I should have. So, oops. Uh, thank you. And you know, I play, I play better next time as a result. So, uh, yeah. I actually had a guy in my, my stream who was like, sure. I made a bad fold in a spot. He's like, if you were wrong, I'll lick my shoe. And I was against the Dario San Martino. So I sent him a message. I said, Hey man, do me a favor. Send me what you had. Just just uh whatever and then i it was the right and then the guy sent a 26 second video of him licking the nastiest shoe i've ever seen him it was almost too much over the top but i have a command for uh chat pros in the thing and i just i, I love i say i like to take feedback but just be careful you know like you know, that's sort of like my uh 
my, uh, you know, I had to calm them down because I, I don't mind chirping, but you know, sometimes I play on the snugger side or make a fold and, you know, got to let them know that they're not always right. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I would just say I throw that out there. If you ever, you know, if you're, if someone wants to challenge you, make sure they put up a little, little something to, uh, awesome. on the line. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Have that. Um, someone's asking here, let's see who this is. We got, I know you got a call here. I think in eight minutes. So I want to take a few, take, try sure. to get through these and then, uh, we'll, I know you got to run. Um, yep. Someone's asking about organizing a tourney or a series with the prize, like the ICM preflop masterclass. I don't know. Maybe they're talking about a home game or club game. Uh, do you do yeah. any type of that stuff, giveaways? Or it looks like, I mean, here I see the there is some ICM preflop simulation yeah. stuff. Do you do any type of giveaways? or? or- yeah, so we, we do giveaways on stream. Um, we haven't done any giveaways for the masterclass itself. We've done giveaways for videos on stream. Um, but yeah, actually, I mean, like, see, that's what I mean. Like people ask questions and sometimes the questions are good. Like we should probably do an ICM masterclass giveaway. I'll actually take a note right now. Um, ICM masterclass giveaway. There you go. Yeah. See, like, I mean, I'm, you know, I've been running BBC for a long time and it's not a rocket science thing to think about. Like we should have done it probably, but we just didn't. We just, you know, like I said, it's like one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. thing. Honestly, the giveaways and that stuff is, it's not, it's not even about that. Like I usually do some giveaway or Twitter stuff and whatever. It's like the part of it too, it's not just the actual giveaway. You got to get the information. You got to send it. You got to talk, you know, it's, there's, there's like, there's work that goes into a giveaway and giveaways and things. It's not just so simple. It's like, all right. And whatever, but, um, there you go. So, so, uh, the questions answer and it looks like, you know, Jordan is going to consider that and, and think about it. Um, hand that has made you the most profit and favorite hand to play with. Is there any sneaky hand that, you know, I don't know, either for, for whatever reason, just one that seems to really print money other than aces. Yeah. I was going to say like, the obvious answer is that aces is going to be the hand that makes most money and Kings is a runner up. But as far as like hands that, I mean, like I feel, it feels to me like I do better, bluffing um so like picking spots where um and i don't have a hand that i'd rather do that with but i just would rather be bluffing <laughs> like i would just rather be bluffing that yeah, speaking of that talk about bbz big bluff zinc what's that about what's that name mean how did that come up so it's a good good second. yeah sure so yeah so bbz um so b so like it was supposed to be big bluffs incoming and then like i just hated the way that it looked like i typed it out with an s and then like it looked terrible and um so i just typed it out with a z and i was like yeah that looks better so i went with that and that was you know i was that was like 10 years ago right so it's been a while um and then people kept calling me bbz instead of calling me like BBI. Right. And like BBZ sounds way better. So we just stuck with BBZ and, um, that was it. So it was just like a name that stuck and it worked. And that's what everybody knew me as. Is it zinc? Is it something? Or am I just, why am I thinking? Yeah. yeah it's INC. Yeah. Big. So it was supposed to be big, big bluffs incoming, big bluffs, ah, INC, like big bluffs, big bluffs incoming. And then you just, and, yeah, it does sound, BBZ has got a nice ring to it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like BBI now, BBZ. Okay, sure. And so people call me that and then it just kind of stuck. All right. Well, there, there, there you go. I, I see. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, there it is. What, when was BBZ created? You talked, you mentioned it. Um, top five best poker players in history or name a few names of players that are just, um, that you just feel are just so talented and maybe tournaments. Sure. Uh, well, yeah. So you said tournaments. So that, the, the last part makes it hard, but the two names that popped into my head first yeah, would be like Stu Unger and Tom Dwan. Um, and I just mean like, and I don't mean that like, like, like they're the best, like, you know, the Tom Dwan's the best now at all or anything like that. I don't know anything about him, but Tom Dwan, because when I was like, he was kind of an uh, inspiration when I first started. So, you know, I was a broke dude sitting on the couch, smoking, watching the wire and um, with like, you know, a bunch of guys doing the exact same thing. That's what we did like a lot. Uh, we weren't like really go-getters. And Tom Dwan was like playing poker after dark, or maybe he was playing high stakes cash. I can't remember. And he was like, you know, uh, chips. 
And I was like, how much money does this guy just lose? And they were like, $100,000. I was like, what are you talking about? He just lost $100,000. He's asking for a reload. I don't even have 1500 bucks, man. I'm broke. So um, I was like, what's he doing? And I was like, and I was like, so I looked up, you know, I looked up who he was and stuff. And, and I was like, wow, she just like did this playing cards. Okay, fine. Like, well, if he could do it, then I can do it. You know, and then like there's a lot of uh, trying in between there and where I'm in, where I'm at now. But um, yeah, so that, so so Duan would be up, uh, on that list. Stu Unger is just like the guy that played more hands than everybody else first. Um, so he kind of like figured something out, which was that you're not supposed to be just like a nit. And uh, so those two names come to mind first. And then like the next three names like seem really hard. I would pick like just guys that I'm that I've competed with. So um, like Dan DeVorest is like. He's created a lot of content. He's extraordinarily talented. He's very good. Is he do, um, does he do a lot of content? I know he's, he's created some content on, 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 um, yeah, on, on Rio. Um, okay. And then um, Phil Galfond, um, who's also uh, like pretty much like very, very, very responsible for my career. I basically just followed that guy everywhere he went. So uh, he had Blue Fire Poker. And then when he moved from Blue Fire Poker, um, he started the second site, runnerones.com, the training site, and just started – uh, anything that he put out, um, he's he's been like the, the 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 training sites he's been a part of have been have had a big impact on on my development for sure. So like Phil Galfon would be up there as well. And I don't know, like, I don't, the fifth one maybe you could say Ivy or something, but like, I don't I don't think it matters that much. Those those four are like uh, three or four, whatever. Those are the ones that are okay. that kind of matter to me the most, I guess. Okay, and I know you do have a. So tell me when I can do one more because there's a ton. We won't get to get all. Oh yeah, go, yeah, keep going, keep going. Someone, well, there's, we'll get to that one too, but here, Ghost of M again asking, who do you think is the most, who's the Twitch stream you think is the most underrated, either in terms of skill or entertainment values? Any ones you've kind of checked out or maybe someone from your stable or, or that you know of that's getting going that just hasn't really grown yet? Um, yeah, so the guys that are, I mean, B Paris at this point is probably, like he's, he's getting, he's gotten a lot better. Um, he's, got, he's gotten a lot better and I coach him a lot. Um, and so, like people think, I think people in a lot of spots think he and he does play still too similarly to how he played before, which would be arguably tight. Um, but I would say that uh, he's definitely better. Um, I don't want to speak about guys. We need to loosen up. I, I need to go on a, a monster tear, and we'll give BBZ the credit, man. Let me let's let's unleash <laughs> me. I'm your perfect hybrid. I could I could loosen up several pips, and and yeah, we could we could do it, man. I like it's that. Good I, when, I, no, it's good when everybody's conditioned, right, emotionally, and like just with time to like just think you're tight. And then you just start showing up with like bluffs that aren't cr- like bad bluffs, just good, just like good, like theoretically, like this is just what you're supposed to do. But everybody assumes you can have them. And um, that can be, you know, pretty good. That's what I'm saying. I feel like yeah, I'm the perfect undercover player. Like I, I've, I've ingrained into people's minds, like even even though I have shifted some and listen, you don't, you don't hit the big game final three without, you got to have a couple of tricks, right? But, <laughs> sure. but uh, you know, there's some luck or whatever. But the point being, I w- that would be fun. You know, that would be kind of fun to get unhinged and, and just because it doesn't even matter. People, even if they see it or think it or know it, maybe you're doing it, they're just like, you're sort of labeled. Like people are labeled the way yeah, exactly. over a, a history of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it, man. I'm ready to sign up for that program. Yeah, um, all right. So B, so B Paris, uh, anyone yeah. else? I mean, like, you know, like I, I haven't, I wish I could have, could work with, uh, with some of the more of the party guys. I haven't done as much work with any of you guys, but like, you know, like obviously Finton is guy is a guy that I've been coaching for a long time now. And I think he's a lot better, but I think Parker, if he were to come back and stream um, would be um, cause he doesn't stream much now at all. But if he were to come back and stream, he would be, surprisingly good relative to like, I think where people think he is. Um, 
or like where he was before he stopped streaming. So uh, I feel like I feel like Parker is regarded as I think his game's very highly respected, or people think he's a great player. I mean, I do, and I. I but I hear what you're saying. If he's been off for some time now and worked hard as additionally and picked up yeah. some new tricks on top of it, I actually, I, I, yeah, I know. I mean, I know he's, I know he's done well. And I think there's a reason too. It's like, you know, he obviously has ridiculous numbers on Twitch. So there's part of the reason too, where I think maybe it's just more profitable probably for him to be not streaming. Right. Like maybe for him to just play, be a play more tables. I mean, I, I'm I don't want to speak for the guy, but I think he just really likes playing and yeah. Like that's like where he and that's kind of where he's spending his time. But he's also just like really good. He's really good friend with like some world class players, mm-hmm. and um, so like you know he's he's just good, dude. You know, like he's good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm with you on that. So I for sure. I think uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? Though? Guys, like the thing is, he's also got the big enough of a following and channel. He could turn it on anytime. And just get right back into it. You know. So he's uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. He could start and stop kind of whenever he wants. Not many people can do that, but he's one of them that that actually can. For sure. All right, just tell me when – I mean, I know you got your thing coming up. Yeah, I'm just right going yeah, to tell this guy just to hang off for just two seconds, one second. Let me just see if I can find a – Okay, yeah, I'm just going to – Go ahead. You give me the next question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, look the other way, but I can listen. I'm listening to you, so go ahead. Okay, so we'll just answer this. I mean, in BBZ, uh, fa- what's your favorite live poker room? Do you, do, you, do you play some of the World Series and stuff? Like, do you do live events, really, or are you probably having for some time? Or what's your uh, live poker experience? Um, yeah, so I mean, I've played a bit. Um, I've played in the Bahamas. Um, I've played, um, and that's probably my favorite, uh, just because of like the weather is so good. And I like, I'm in Vancouver and that the time of year is that's, you know, the stop is in January and it was no longer. Now this party party's got the Bahamas though, which is at the Bahamar, which is even nicer. What, 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 what month is, that? is it January still? What month? Uh, November. Okay, so yeah, so eat, so eat, then still, so like going somewhere nice in like the the, the pits months in in Canada, so like November, December, January, mm-hmm. those stops would just like just be the best ones for me. Um, it's also funny, I will say, like I've done sixty eight podcasts. Most poker players, I would say ninety seven percent of people on here have final tabled their first pen and mob score which is bizarre to me like you look at this you go third first first sixth um for some scores it's kind of crazy right like that's a pretty i mean maybe you played some before right but your actual first cash is you just basically went chalk um which is which is kind of cool uh how so that was a couple i haven't played a lot of live as you can see i don't play a lot i don't play a lot so yeah so i flew up to the bahamas to play the 25k in january and then after the that 25k so you see that I cashed that 25k. That was the only event I played after it was over. I got on a plane and came back home. So because um, my my wife was we had the kid and stuff, and I just felt like you know I didn't want to be there for like two weeks, but I was not going to miss that event, so I played that event. Um, but yeah, I don't play a lot of live, you know. So like the, the it's the weather is important to me. Um, I like be going to a destination that's nice. Going to Prague was fun. Um, as far as like you know the 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 way that I did the, that that first series, that was the first series I'd ever played. Um, actually, I went out to meet. I flew out to meet Nicholas Emicus and like I hadn't slept. I got third in the, the event and then it was like almost time to play the next one. And, you know, ended up playing the next one. Like I was, that, that was just like an enduro of like no sleep at all. Um, so that's a very, yeah. very nice. Uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, when I was just getting first getting started. Right. So with my career, so they're small scores, but they were, uh, but it's fun. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty sick ROIs. Those are, those are, uh, I mean, a lot of people uh, to take first 400 and I guess third, you got uh you know, 843. That's, that's pretty cool. So it's, it's nice that, to have an early on success live gets you excited. I think, right. Like to yeah, the scores, you're like, Oh, this is fun. And it's, it's real. Who knows when live poker's coming back? Definitely you know, online numbers have been up 
big time, right? Online yep. like, stuff's been juiced up. I, I actually think there will be some carryover uh, because people, some people that are kind of out of poker. Maybe even now they go back to work or maybe they work more from home or maybe they just say, hey, I, you know, Party's got the new mobile software, which is unbelievable. And um, there's some other interesting things that have happened. So I think it's, uh, I think it will help, but there's an argument that maybe it's bad or it could, you know, really top down. But uh, what do you think about that? What do you think about the whole uh, COVID just sort of um, poker boom, second boom? Sure. So um, I think that, uh, I think that like almost everybody else is, has like a negative opinion and I haven't really heard anybody with a positive opinion yet, um, which isn't like surprising because everybody always thinks the sky's falling, but uh, I'm more optimistic than most people. I would fall into the camp of view. Like this is probably going to be some kind of, residual value that's been created, like in terms of field size uh, remaining a little bit larger. But like broadly speaking, I think um, as it relates to poker specifically, uh, you said that like live poker is probably not coming back for a while. I don't disagree with that. Um, in particular, live poker that requires traveling, which is pretty much all the major events, probably not coming back for a while. So I would say that like if you look out six months, a year from now, um, one of like it, live live poker fields are going to be extraordinarily small. So uh, unless something like we get some kind of like miracle COVID distribution, like of a vaccine, which I don't think is really very likely. So I think if you look at again, like 12 months, anything that requires traveling is probably going to be a really, really, really small event. And, um, so do those events like host half of it online? Do they host all of it online? Do they run like live? And so like, where do those people go to, 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 to get like, get their poker fix? And do those events use their marketing clout. Like the WSOP has tremendous marketing clout. Like so does WPT, et cetera. Do those, do those events, um, like it seems, it seems to me like some portion of those events, if not all of those events over the next 12 months moves online, um, temporarily at least. So I don't know that I would say that like poker fields are going to be like really like way smaller than they were pre COVID in three months. And like the, the world is ending and like the apocalypse is coming. Um, I would take the other side, but, um, I would also take the other side because people I would get odds because everybody else is saying everybody else has a negative opinion. So I'd get paid to take the other side. Right. So, um, yeah, in yeah. the betting world, that's how it works. So people would be like, I'll give you nine to one. And I'd be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what do you believe? Do you, do you think the real name stuff, uh, it's a uh, party poker, obviously doing some experimenting pretty interesting as well as no HUDs. What do you, what's your take on that when it first happened? And do you feel differently now when they said, Hey, we're going to, turn HUDs off? Um, so I think that turning HUDs off in the sense that like, it's like the HUD itself is an edge that like people who have one have over people who don't have one. And that is exclusively basically like semi-professional professional players over recreational players. So if you're trying to equalize things, I get it. Um, there, I don't know any of their numbers for collusion detection, how much of it comes from a player base and how much of it comes from party poker itself. Um, <clears throat> but players detect collusion. Um, player, like they do. That's a fact. Um, players detect bots too. So I don't know if like, let's say the party poker is capable of capturing like 97% of botting activity on its own and like humans capture 3%. It's a non-zero percentage, but I don't know how much it is. If humans capture half or 30% or 20% or something like that, and they have the data, probably maybe not, but they should. Um, I, don't, I just don't know anything if, if like these businesses track this type of metric or not. But um, if we are responsible for capturing some significant fraction of botting activity and um, collusion, it seems to me like uh, if you were to ask a recreational player, would you rather have a professional player um, have access to um, a HUD and you can buy it if you want it and it costs 20 bucks or you know, 30 bucks, 40, I don't know what these programs cost, but they're cheap. So, you know, that's, it's, not a, it's not an edge that they can't replicate if they want it. Um, or would you rather have botting increased um, by AIs? 
or would you rather have um, would you rather have collusion increased? Um, which one which one would you pick? And like I think overwhelmingly there's almost nobody that would probably say, oh no, I'll take the collusion and the bots over the HUDs. So as long as the human detection of bots is and collusion is de minimis and like close to zero, then it's a trade-off that I think you can make on the part of the site. But if the collusion detection and um, bot detection is actually like a meaningful fraction of their overall program, um, then they can't. And I have no idea what, like they made the decision. I have no part in it. I'm not going to criticize anyone's decision-making process, but I have no idea if that was considered. But it seems to me like if that's the way that it works, then would probably be right. So I don't know. Um, I, like, if, if, like I said, if, they're, if they do a really good job on their own, and I have no idea how significant humans are at detecting this type of behavior. But if the site does a really good job and they can do, keep it all on themselves, then they, they should just ban HUDs if that's what they want to do because it makes no difference. Makes sense. So, and what do you think about real names? Um, I was I, I'm, I was for it in the beginning because um, well, like, I didn't think we are our real names. For yeah, I mean, like, like I'm fine with it. I don't care. And uh, like live poker, same thing. Like everyone has their real name. You go to you go to find your table, and like everyone's name is listed. So like, who cares? Particularly if you're playing like a WPT event, using people's real names seems to make sense to me. But I've heard a lot of people like say that they're uncomfortable, and like I don't know. That's we also have platforms where we're, we're speaking with thousands of people. And, you know, the bottom line is, like, there are people that watch me stream that are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm streaming. So, you know, like, if you have a thousand people watching, someone's going to hate something. So I don't know, I, like, if they're just loud or not, but it just seems like there's some, ne- some amount of negative feedback around, like, people being concerned about, like, their safety or, like, whatever, which I think is absurd. But nonetheless, there's, the concern is real. So it depends on how significant. Again, I, I haven't measured it because it's not my business, and so, so I don't have any business measuring it but if right. you measured it and it's substantial and like a, so like they should just like run in my opinion if i was the, if i was party poker i would just like send a, an email to the player base ask them like instead of like making everybody guess just ask like you have the ability to send an email right so just send an email like do you guys like you guys have now tried it do you like having your having real names do you think that it makes it would you like it to be all the all the player names are transitioned to, the, to their real name so that you can you can know who's who across sites more easily and then like if all the sites were to migrate to something like that then like everyone would know who they're playing against all the time right or and that like that would help reduce things like um vpning and things like that because people would know who you are um and multi-accounting and all the rest of it um it's like oh like this guy's little sister just won a tournament like is it really his little sister (laughs) you know so um i think that that's a good way to to find out if they should keep it um i don't care one way or the other it's just about whether what their player base wants and i think that the best way to find out of that is just to ask them yeah, it would be interesting too to to say, would you like it for all events, none events, like WPT or branded? You know, what, there's ways to maybe fill out a survey, fill out a survey, figure out what the, what people want, make yeah. it, you know, make the trade offs that you're comfortable with as a business, and go from and go forward. I don't think that there's any other way to do it. Makes 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 a lot of sense. And you do see Rob Young pretty active and taking some polls and stuff, but I I think that's also a another way to do it is uh is just yeah go to every single every single person and and just do an it. email. Just yeah. email the server. I mean, like, that's not like super sophisticated technology. So for sure. And what about uh, YouTube? How much uh, you you do? Looks like you just had another video uh, yeah. pop up. You have a you have a team and and uh, videos going out. How long have you been doing YouTube? And what do you feel about uh, how YouTube's gone? Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you do you do any of your editing? Do you have someone do your full editing? Yeah, I have a team that does the editing for me. Um, so yeah, so we started doing the YouTube content uh, like shortly after I started streaming. Um, I mean, like we started creating YouTube content in general before, but it was that predated streaming. And then we started doing stream highlights and we've tried to create some content that was for the stream. Uh, sorry, that was for the YouTube channel that was unique to the YouTube channel. Um, 
but hasn't gone live yet. Like we've just had some problems um, with like, you know, I didn't do a good enough job in terms of uh, like lighting and just like some stuff that I could fix so that I wanted to, to get right before we um, published it. But yeah, like we have like a very active YouTube channel. We put out a video once every two days. We put out 15 videos in May. Um, we're trying to put out, uh, yeah, we're trying to put out a video every two days and we're going to try to accelerate that pace, um, to, to a video, uh, to two videos uh, every three days and see if we can do that. I'm going to try to create native content for the platform, but yeah, um, it's fun. And, you know, at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it makes sense. So <clears throat> love it. All right, let's take one or two more. I, I know you, you do yeah, it. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. I gotta roll. One more. Uh, favorite uh what's the most significant moment in your career so far maybe a, a score a win or an epiphany or even a loss something that really just kind of um jarred you any, any moment that stands out in your career um well the most significant win is one that i didn't have so connor b1 uh won the sunday million for like a hundred thousand at a time when my stable was not doing great um and he was he'd probably he was probably stuck like eighty thousand with me at the time and um maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit less, maybe, but something along those lines. And I probably like had $40,000 left on poker, like in, on poker sites. And I had like a, you know, I had a good amount of money outside of poker, but at the time I wasn't sure if like what to do, like if, if I busted the poker roll, do I actually make the deposit and like fund this? And if I do fund this, like how do I draw a line between like, uh, to where it's like, it's not negative EV and I'm just like destroy all of my savings. Right. So I had savings, like maybe a quarter million in savings, I could reload, but if I reload, like when do I stop reloading? And it's like a really diff- difficult, like intellectual problem when, um, at that, at that time. And so, yeah. So like, I was like starting to ask myself all these really difficult questions when we, as we were going, we, you know, as we went from like, you know, 150 K online to hundred to, to 80 to 70 to 40. And so these difficult questions were starting to be asked and, um, he smashed a hundred thousand out and uh, 150,000 out or something like that, whatever it was. And the questions went away. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the most significant, you know, just said right place, right time, really avoided some headache and half yeah, exactly. headache. So all right, shout out to one Connor B who gets it done. Great player. And um cool man. Well, listen, I really appreciate the time. Let's just end with the giveaway. I copied this link. Anyone who asked a question and followed the instructions is eligible, gonna get a 55 poker. Well, party poker ticket, $55. Sometimes it starts with a, just a, a little ticket. You never know. So why don't we, you tell me when, we'll roll it, and then we'll let you roll out of here. So I just tell yeah, me. sounds good, man. Go. All right, there it is. Pasting it. Got a winner, and it is Spike Finger just spiked a 55 ticket. I'm going to message them. I'm going to let Jordan run because he's got coaching. He's got things to do. Check out BBZ Poker. It is a, a great place. I know I've heard so many amazing things. Can't wait to do some stuff with you. We'll do some content and maybe I got to dive in, get into the, the streets and do a little bit of uh, the work in here. So let's talk about that later. And uh, thanks again, Jordan. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. That's BBZ Poker. Jordan Drummond, party poker team, the whole deal. He does it all. Check out the website and give him a follow across the socials and we'll be on for another podcast soon. Thanks again to Jordan and uh, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.